The Christmas season is good, is it not? Yes, it is. It is. Whatever. I wasn't looking for necessarily a response there, but just always good to think about Christmas and sing the Christmas hymns and uh, really reflect upon, upon those things, Christ coming in the flesh. Um, well, as I have preached at Rock Valley Bible Church for more than 20 years now, um, I've sought to put before you Jesus Christ in the gospel. When, when Paul reflected upon his time in Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, when Paul came to Corinth, he had one message that he gave. And then everything kind of stemmed from that. But his one message was the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and then He was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. And He appeared to many, risen from the dead. And that was Paul's um, message that he preached. Nothing else. But that was his first importance. That was his only importance. That's been my heart as well for all of you, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, just putting before you that we are justified before God by faith alone, in Christ alone, by His, for His glory alone, apart from any works that we do to merit or to earn anything. We, we come to God on the basis of Jesus and His work, totally apart from what we have done. Titus 3, 4-6, through six, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works which we had done in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And I've preached the gospel clearly and intentionally, because preaching anything else means the power and strength of the church rests on the wisdom of men, not of God. As Paul even said to those in Corinth, just a little bit later in the passage, my speech and my message to you, O church in Corinth, was not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I know that in myself, I don't have enough wisdom. But I know that God lacks no power, and so I've sought at Rock Valley Bible Church for us to thrive, is, is to put forth the good news of the grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord every Sunday. But not only have I, I done that, but I've done it through a method of uh, putting before you the, the gospel every week by showing you where it comes from in the Scriptures. Week after week, I have focused upon one text of Scripture. Uh, most often, my outline comes from the verses in that text, the grammar of that text, the structure of that text. My observations come from that text. Applications come from that text. And occasionally then we go to a a second Bible passage or maybe a third one. But almost always, just keying in on on one verse or two verses or five verses or ten verses, whatever is the section we're looking at. And then the next week we take the next passage and do the same thing. Reading. right, Structuring it around the passage. Uh, pulling a bunch of observation from that passage and applying that passage of Scripture to all of us. Then the next week, doing the same thing. And the next week, doing the same thing until the end of the book. And then we pick up another book and do the same thing, starting the first section and just going through, just to try to show you how to, how to bring the Bible together, how it, how it all relates, how this part relates to this part, and this part relates to this part, and how it shows its overall flow of the Scripture, showing 
uh, who Jesus is in Christ and the gospel. It's called expository preaching, exposing what the scripture has for us. Now, there are times and seasons, of course, where, where we stepped away. And Christmas time is often one of those times. And in fact, this morning is one of those special occasions where I'm not going to take a single text and look at it. I'm going to preach a topical message, which my wife knows is very difficult for me because I so want us as our church to rest on the wisdom of God and not on men. Um, one of the reasons why we're stepping away now is because in the, in, through the exposition of the book of Acts, we've reached halfway. The halfway mark exactly 28 chapters in the, in the book of Acts, and we've just finished Acts chapter 14. And Acts chapter 15 is a huge chapter with some key concepts. I didn't want to start in that, only then to think about Christmas and then New Year's and then come back to that. So I wanted that all to be together. And so this morning, I'm going to pull back from our exposition of Acts. Um, but, but there's a reason I want you to think about why I have been preaching book by book, chapter by chapter, section by section, verse by verse. Because my burden hasn't been so much to tell you what the Bible says as much as been to show you what the Bible says. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I have tried relentlessly for these two decades to show you what the Bible says because my heart for all of you is that you would know the Bible well. And that you all would see that what I'm telling you is what the Bible says. You can see right, right where it is, right? How it says it, where it says it, and, and exactly what it says. In fact, you might even say it this way. I have a burden that every single one of you would come to master the Bible. That's why I, I come to the Scriptures and pull out and try to put it before you and say, isn't this what the Bible says? Isn't this what the Bible says? You might see it. You might, might know what the Bible says, how the Bible says it, and where the Bible says it. In fact, that's a, a, good, a, a good definition, if you will, for how to master the, the, the Bible, how to master what it means. How to master the Bible means you, you know what the Bible says, you know how it says it, and you know where it says it. It's a good definition. Uh, my message this morning is entitled, How to Master the Bible. And really it comes from a burden that I have for all of you to know your Bibles and to know them well. Indeed, to master them so that the Bible might master you. So let me ask you, do you want to master the Bible? Do you? The Bible calls us to master the Bible. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Of course, now this is written to Paul, to Timothy, who's a, who's a pastor. This is the call of every pastor to be this master craftsman with the Bible. But that certainly calls all of us, right, to, to be that as well, to be this master craftsman, a worker Right, Just even a craftsman who might work with wood to create some fine piece of furniture. So we need to work with our Bibles to be a, a master craftsman of the Bible, handling it rightly. Do you want to master the Bible? You know, there's some times, rare, but there are some times when I talk with people even of this church and I see their neglect of God's Word, disregarding God's Word, not thinking about it, coming to church, listening politely and all, and I appreciate that, but no real love for God's Word that compels them to, to master the Bible. No real desire to master the Bible. And I think that I have a greater desire for them to master the Bible than they have for themselves oftentimes. Is that you? Or do you really want to master the Bible? I mean, really. 
Well, if so, this sermon is for you. I have three points this morning. First off, if you want to master the Bible, you need to have a desire. If you want to master the Bible, it begins with your own desire. Without a desire to master the Bible, you won't. I mean, it just, it just won't happen. This is like the, the first most important thing. Apart from a desire, you will not master the Bible. The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Here it's just talking about his affections, loving the Word of God, loving the meditating on it, thinking about it all the day. So, so you think about the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 97. He says, what, what is it that occupies your mind all day? That's the Word of God. So he desires it's his, his affections, his desire. In fact, Psalm 119 is essentially sort of a, a love poem written to the Word of God, for the Word of God. There's a reason why the psalmist loves the law of the Lord. Because the Bible makes him wise. And the Bible is sweet to his soul. And the Bible gives him understanding. And the Bible guides him in his way. He said in Psalm 119, verse 111, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. That's how you should view the Bible. The joy of your heart. A delight. A love. And if you have that, you've got a first step to how to, how to master the Bible. Well, as Brian alluded to, you all know that Ivana became grandparents this week. Krissa had her baby girl, Eloise Marie Menon, born Friday afternoon, and here is Grandpa. My first chance to hold my grandchild, Eloise, and it was, uh, it was a surreal moment in many ways, so just kind of reliving my life through Krissa. Like, I remember being there when Krissa was a child, holding her for the first time. And, and Grandma had a chance to hold her as well. And so did Uncle David. <laughs> there he is, Uncle David. But when I got to hold her, little Eloise, she was a little bit fussy. Because I came into the room, she was, she was enjoying Mom, if you will. And she was taken from Mom to put in my, my arms pretty quickly. And it reminded me of 1 Peter 2, verse 2 which speaks about babies and their longing for the mother's milk and how we ought to long and yearn for the Word of God. It says this, 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word that in it you may grow up into salvation. If you're ever going to master the Bible, you need to have this longing for the Bible. And if you have this longing for the Bible, nothing will keep you away from the Bible. You will cry like a baby. You'll cry like a baby over and over until you get that milk. Until you get that milk of the Word. Do you have a heart for the Bible? Do you have a desire? A desire to learn, a desire to know, a desire to grow? If um, you lack that desire, perhaps, but maybe you want that desire, say, you know what, Steve, I don't have that. But I want that. I just encourage you to pray. Again, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. That's a prayer to God, that God would open his eyes, that he might see wonderful things in God's word. And I think that's a prayer that God will answer. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you desire to master the Bible, if you desire to desire the Bible, that's a prayer that God will answer for you. 
Now, one of the ways to cultivate your desire, not only just praying, right, is to be convinced of the benefits of what it means to master the Bible. This is Psalm 1, right? This is the, the, the first psalm. The psalm of psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The psalm tells us the man's blessed who stays away from sin but who, who walks towards God and His Word, who delights in the law of the Lord, who thinks about God's Word all the time, meditating upon it day and night. And if you do that, if you seek that, you know that your life will be blessed. It gives you a reason to be stirred. Look, I want to master that Bible because I, I want the blessing that comes from that. The psalmist continues the word picture. He says he's like a tree. This is the one who's meditating on God's word, pursuing it, right, delighting in it. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Such is the favor that, that God gives to those who love his word. He gives them a, a steady life, a life that perseveres through the hard times, because the tree that's by the river always is near its, its source of strength, this water that can soak up with its roots. And a life near, lived near God's Word as this constant stream of strength from which to draw. Charles Spurgeon said it well. He said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. It's the Bible that's been read over and over and over belongs to a life that stands steady that's not falling apart and that's Psalm 1 in action, right? The, the one who constantly reads the Bible, wearing out its pages. The one, this one will know and experience the sustaining grace of God in his life because God's Word has been his, his, in his heart and on his mind. He's trusting in it, living after it. The contrast comes in verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So here you see this contrast. The one who, who loves the Lord is like this big oak tree right by the river. And the one who disdains God's word or doesn't master it is the one who's like the wicked, who's like the tumbleweed rolling down the Texas freeway. Which do you want to be? Benefits in your life if you master the Bible. So I just want to encourage you to have a desire for God's word. So let's move on to my second point. Not only must have a desire if you want to master the Bible, but you need to have a plan if you want to master the Bible. You may have all the desire in the world to master the Bible, but without a plan, you won't master the Bible. People think that knowing a lot about the Bible is what the key to mastering the Bible, but it's not. Think again about my definition. What is mastering the Bible? To know what the Bible says, how it says it, and where it says it. Just so that you can, you can pull and you understand the geography of the, of the Scriptures and you understand, the, oh, this was spoken in the Old Testament. Oh, this was in this situation. And this is how God said it. And, and to filter it in to master the message of the Bible. And here it is, the big reveal. When it comes to my plan, my suggestion is really simple. Read the Bible. You want to master the Bible? What do you? Read the Bible. Help me. How do you master the Bible? You read the Bible. Now, certainly there are other things to mastering the Bible. There's, there's some study that goes along with it. There's some memorization, like Psalm 1 we saw, some meditation that comes along with it as well. But it all begins with reading the Bible. If you want to master the, 
the Bible, you need to read the Bible. And too often, and I say this, that too often Christians learn about the Bible without actually reading the Bible itself. Especially maybe in our day and age. I'm thankful for the abundance of resources that we have today that teaches us what the Bible says. I mean, the internet is, is, is crazy. I mean, we have an inexhaustible amount of Bible resources for us. It's only growing day after day after day after day. There are archive books. Any classic book that you want to read that's published more than 100 years ago, um, which are worthy of being read, you can just grab it out there for free. Your, your library that you have in your pocket is far larger than any pastor had um, 100 years ago. Um, we have web pages devoted to answering any question. If you have any question about the Bible, you can just type it in and you can find a biblical answer to your, your questions. Um, Bible teachers, the best Bible preachers, teachers in the world, we have access to them across the internet. We can listen as books are being read to us. We can listen to sermons. We can watch well-thought-through presentations, kind of showing animations about what the Bible is teaching at any given moment. And all that's for free. If we have the desire. Uh, and I'm thankful for all that. I mean, I, I use Bible resources on the internet every, every week. Um, as I prepare for messages, I, I, I use a lot. But I fear that many people who know a lot about the Bible aren't really masters of the Bible itself. They just know a lot about the Bible. Uh, David, I don't know how to say his last name, Ninuis. Maybe he's associate professor of New Testament uh, studies at Seattle Pacific University. Has some good observations. He wrote a little book called A Concise Guide to the New Testament. And he described the struggle that his Bible students have. He, he says that he, he gives assignments to read the textbook and then to read the Bible. And do you know what the students will do? They'll read the textbook and then they'll just kind of scan the Bible. Is what they'll do. And uh, he says the danger, and I just say even for us, is, is, is very true as well, right? Reading about the Bible rather than reading the Bible itself. And listen, listen to what he says. He says, students memorize the names of biblical books in order. They learn the basic plot line, the larger biblical story. They're encouraged to set aside time each day for devotions. They memorize a variety of Bible verses. Yet, these ch- children coming, these students coming from churches, he says, yet these students typically struggle in my classes. This is the case because most have been trained to be Bible quoters and not Bible readers. There's a huge difference in that, of being a Bible quoter and a Bible reader. And that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm pushing you to Be a master of the Bible, you need to be a Bible reader, not just a Bible quoter who knows a lot about the Bible. And, and Newhouse goes on, whatever his name is, um, Mr. Pastor David, whatever, Teacher David. They have the capacity to recall a relevant biblical text in support of the particular doctrinal point or in opposition to a hot spot in the culture wars or in hope of emotional support when times get tough. But they approach the Bible as a sort of reference book, a collection of useful God quotes that can be looked up as one would locate a word in a dictionary or an entry in an encyclopedia. What they are not trained to do is read a biblical book from beginning to end to trace its narrative arc, to discern its main themes, and to wonder about how it shapes our faith lives today. Indeed, oftentimes, these students find themselves dismayed when they read a beloved Bible quote 
in its actual literary context and discover that it does not seem to bear the meaning that they thought it did when they quoted the verse in isolation. How many of you experienced that before? Yeah. Because you're a Bible quoter, not a Bible reader. And then when you become a Bible reader, you're like, oh, that does quote, that doesn't matter. So that's why we need to master the Bible, right? To understand the ark. It says, to summarize, the problem I see is this. The university frequently introduces students to a Bible they don't recognize, and the church often teaches students to be devoted to a Bible they don't know how to read. And really, that's, that's the thrust of my message this morning, is to encourage you just to read the Bible. Not, not just know about the Bible, and not just quote the Bible, or not just say, I've got this issue in my life, where do I pull from these magic verses that are going to help me? But, but catch the, the overall thrust of what the Bible is talking about. Read books of the Bible in whole. Read Psalms in complete ways. Um, now, I do know that many of you, I, I hope most of you, are reading your Bibles on a daily bi- basis. I'm thankful to God. Um, I know it's the best practice for you. When facing the trials in life, the best thing to do is to prepare yourself today for your trials tomorrow. Andy Krauss, aren't you glad you've been reading the Bible for years, right? To prepare you for your trials you're going through now, right? And the extent to which you're preparing today and you're reading the Bible and you're becoming a Bible master today is, the, is going to help you in the future. It's going to help my hospital visits with you. It's going to help my counsel with you in times of trouble and trial. Your joy is going to be even more enlightened when you realize the grace of God in your life. And I know it's best for you and I know it's best for a church when we have many of us, most of us, and my hope is all of us being masters of the Bible. So regarding a plan, I want you to read it strategically. Have a plan. Because those who refuse to plan, plan to fail, right? Um, I want to encourage you to have a plan for your Bible reading. Now maybe you already have a plan. Right? And if you have a plan that's working for you, wonderful. I'm not trying to persuade you away from that. I'm just fanning the flame to keep you going, maybe stirring you again to say, wow, I need to have this desire. I, I need to really make sure that my, that my heart is there, praying for a, a heart's desire with that. That's wonderful. And, and maybe just even time-wise, right? Your, your mom got a lot of kids, got a lot of things going on, and maybe you're already involved in some sort of Bible study or you're reading some sort of book that's helping you work through the, the pages of Scripture. I just say wonderful, right? Maybe you've got some kind of group that you're going to. Wonderful. And maybe there's some kind of video series you've got. You said, you know what? We, I'm, I'm listening through this pastor preaching through some book because I really want to study this or I want to do that. You're on some sort of curriculum. Uh, wonderful. You go at that. If it's working for you, don't be persuaded away. But how many times do people say, oh, I'm going to do this, and then they, they fall away? How many times do people say, oh, this year I'm going to read through the whole Bible, and they get to what it's been called, right, the the book of Leviticus, right? The, the slew of the spawn that stops so many Bible readers in their tracks. Maybe, though, if you have a plan, maybe your family's committed to some sort of Bible reading practice. You're just reading through. That's wonderful, and, and you keep it. If you already have a plan, great. Keep it going. Don't be distracted. But if you don't have a plan, that's what I'm, I'm here for today, to give you a recommendation. Just something that will help you master the Bible. I, I want to invite you to Read the Bible with me. Now, not literally with me, um, but along with me. And so let, let, let's step back uh, a little bit. Um, I was uh, a year and a half ago when I was on sabbatical um, during a summer month. took three months to California. was able to read through the entire Bible. 
Um, now, I, I'd, done, I'd done so many times throughout the years, but it was an opportunity just for a, a condensed, really quick overview of the Scripture um, that proved very helpful to me. And, and along the way, I produced a little booklet. I've shown you this before. I always have it in my Bible. And what it is, basically, it's a, it's a one page. That's Genesis right there. So I've got chapters 1 through 29 here and chapters 30 through 50 here, just summarizing what Genesis says. And here's Exodus, and here's Leviticus, and here's Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua, and I got a little room under Joshua, so I got a little map of the conquest here, and then Judges, but Ruth is small, so Ruth is only here. And so what I've done is is just look to, to summarize chapters, and I believe this is a way it really helps not only to know what the Bible says, but to say how it says it and to know where it says it. And just this little exercise has been something that really, really helped me. Um, putting it together. And, and when I came back from my sabbatical, I, I challenged all of you to, to think about maybe you should make one of these for yourself. And, and the value of this isn't this. The value of it is the work that I went into reading every chapter of the Bible and, and making an attempt at summarizing it. And your value is going to be when you do that, and, and you, you can write out a summary to every chapter that's in the Bible and, and have a little book and then constantly be editing it. So this year as I've read through it, I've been constantly editing it and then reprinting it and editing it and reprinting it. So it's always kind of refining it and kind of looking as I'm reading through the scriptures this year, um, working at it that way. Um, and so what I encourage you to do when I came back from sabbatical, I said, maybe you want to have a vision to make one of these for yourself. And for you, it might not be three months because you're not going to have like no job to do for three months and just kind of be freed up for that. Um, for you, it might be a year or two years or five years or eight years slowly reading through, but just systematically reading through. And this is a a good first step to mastering the Bible. Anyway, fast forward to last December. I was thinking, I've read through the Bible many, many years. um, And and then what I thought about, you know, I I went through this and this was so helpful to master the Bible. And I I thought about 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be equipped, complete, equipped for every good work. And so in order to equip someone, really for the work of ministry, what do you need? All scripture, which is inspired by God. So what, what, what it is, I thought, you know what, let me just try this. And so I asked several men from this church if they would want to join me. And reading through the Bible together, believing this verse... That for their own training in righteousness, that it's all scripture that's going to help them and, and train them for righteousness. And so I asked some guys, they want to read through the Bible, and gave them a vision for writing out some chapter summaries and to, um, to aim towards making a booklet like this. And Yvonne met with some of the wives as well. We gathered several, a handful of guys, and then several of the wives wanted to come. And so this past year, We've been reading through the scripture together, just kind of in the pace, right? Maybe it takes 15 minutes a day, and just we got this pace of, of going through the scriptures together. Um, and then we met just for an hour every week. And uh, for us, easiest is on Zoom. Um, there's no time constraint because there's no travel, and the kids don't have a big problem. Kids can be in bed, and you just pop on Zoom for an hour. We, and for us, the best time, the only time, in fact, we found was Tuesday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And we start right at 8 o'clock, and we're done right at 9 o'clock. And the format's really online. We got online. How are you guys doing? Then I ask the question, are you up on your reading? 
And I got thumbs up. If anyone was kind of like this, I just said, all right, well, how much have you read? Just tell us how much you've read. How, where are you in your reading? And, and uh, I never had to say, oh, I never had to like, whatever, spank someone and get them going, you know. I just, uh, I just said, if any of my encouragement was, just, well, let's just skip that. You can get that another year. Skip ahead so you can be, be caught up this week. That was always my, my admission. So just rather than trying to read so much, you get behind, just skip. And you're being, so the train is moving and just jump on with the train. And then having done that, um, uh, the next question, are you up on your summaries? And if we got some like that, then we're like, okay, well, well just tell me how, how much you've done. Well, I finished, um, whatever, I finished, no, I'm just short of numbers, right? And so we're in Joshua already, and the numbers didn't, and so I just, well, like, skip ahead is the only comment that I ever had said. And so, we would do that, and with the preliminaries out of, the, out of the way, we'd spend about 45 minutes just talking about what we learned in our reading that week. Super easy format, super simple conversations, kept everything going. Sometimes there were questions, hard portions, and were pushed through because we kind of talked about them. And I just say this accountability made all the difference in the world uh, for some of these men, I, I'm sure. And uh, in terms of the chapter summaries, we didn't do chapter summaries over everything we read. We did it about over half. And uh, these guys have signed up for another year of, of reading through and whatever summaries they didn't get, they're going to work through this next year and they might finish it after two years and it might take a, a little bit longer, um, but maybe at some point they might have a booklet for their own that they can have. And as we were going through, I wasn't writing summaries, but I was editing my summaries as we, as we went through. And so this morning, I just want to ask two of these men to come up and just share their experience. I don't know what they're going to say. I just asked them for a three-minute testimony of what what their time in uh, reading the Bible with this, with a, a vision to master the Bible was. So I'm going to have uh, Jake. Why don't you come up first and uh, just share what your experience has been like this past year or just seeking to read through the Scriptures. So you might need a microphone here rather than here. All right. Can you guys hear me? All right. Yeah. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> Yeah, so as Steve said, he approached us, uh, asked us if we would be interested in going through a year of reading the Bible. Obviously, I was uh, extremely nervous. I'm extremely nervous right now talking to you um, because I wasn't a good finisher. I've never been a good finisher. Always a great starter. Always really strong, headstrong. Let's go, very motivated. Let's do this. But I get bored. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I get bored with stuff. And then I, I flake off and I zing and ping somewhere else. Um, I was nervous about this. I asked my wife, um, man, should I do this? Can I do this? I'm, I'm not, I don't want to sit there and say I can't do it. I'm not going to be me, my old me, and give up. But she encouraged me, and uh, man, it's the best year I've ever had. It's the best thing that I've ever done. Uh, sitting there and reading the Bible, like Steve said, kind of unfolds. It shows the map of what's going on. I had a Bible before. I had a Bible. It was there. It sat there. You know, yeah, I would flip through it, but like Steve said, I would know certain things, and that was good enough for me, but I didn't know what I know now. So let me tell you something that I learned in this year, and it's not over yet. I learned, A, that God's relentless pursuit to redeem his people will never end. I read from the beginning how God stretches out his arm to protect and to lead and to shelter his people. I've learned that he nourishes his people and that he's going to nourish and protect us. I've learned and see that God be the God of impossible. All right, Matthew nineteen twenty six says that with God, all things are possible. Now, I never realized how true that was. Yeah, I've seen God maybe work little things here, here, there, but in the scriptures of what he's done, impossible things he's done, and he's done it because he's God. I've seen God do the unbelievable things to both people and nature. 
I've seen God create and form the world and the universe, the stars, the mountains, the rivers. He's created it. I've seen God split the seas to allow people to travel safely and then to swallow up the enemies. I've seen God open the earth and swallow up those that were not righteous. I've seen God use earthquakes to save his people. I've seen God send his angels out to save his people. I've seen God confuse armies, armies that were just massive, and you never knew that you could do anything. You just were fearless, but he confused them. And then I've seen God use nations against nation. And if God wanted to, he will use our nation. I've seen our Lord use whatever and whoever he wants to fulfill his divine plan. It is God. The Lord will use the weak. The Lord will use the barren. The Lord will use a rock. The Lord will use a donkey. (laughs) He'll use a taxman. He'll use a persecutor. He will use a fisherman. He will use fire. He will use a cloud. He will use the doubting. He will use prophets. And finally, he used his son. Yes, amen indeed. I've seen how God doesn't want us to embrace a spirit of fear, but instead he tells us to stand strong and courageous. I see that we should not fear, but that we should have faith because the limit, the God of the unlimited will not be limited. He, he is limitless in what he can do. And finally, I've seen God's mercy and grace. Now that's something that's recently kind of been shown to me and I'm still kind of trying to figure it out and I'm still just awed by it. But his mercy and grace to save sinners and to use people. He saved a sinner like myself who I didn't think had a chance. I've seen his grace allow me to walk a new walk, to kind of forget about the old man, to not feel guilty about the sins that I used to have. There is no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ, right? I've seen God lead and forgive. And I've seen finally how God wants us to build and to encourage one another. So in this past year, my eyes and my heart has been opened. My mind has been changed because my heart has been changed. I see that uh, I'm not emasculine. Let's see if I can say this right. I'm not less masculine because I'm going to repent and be humble. I'm not less masculine of a man because I surrender myself and my pride because I want to press something on. No, I've realized that true strength comes from weakness and giving it to God to make me strong. I see how God has loved us and that he is going to continue to love us. Oh, man, I, I never realized that this book sitting on the side of my, my bed would, would ever impact that power into me. But my children see me constantly, day in, day out, every morning, in my Bible, with my pens, with my, my notes. And he showed, he showed me everything. So I do highly encourage it. It's a blessing. It's been a blessing to me, and I appreciate your time. Next, I'm going to have Adam Lask uh, come share just his experience this past year as we've just read through together. Okay, so usually the best goes last. (laughs) (laughs) Not today, folks. You already had the good stuff. Um, so yeah, this year has kind of flown by. It feels like you know we're getting ready for 2022, and I'm still waiting for 2020 to end. So uh, we have embarked on this great adventure of reading the Bible together as a as a group, 
of men. And if you haven't read the Bible before, I'd encourage you to do that anyway. But it's even better if you can do it with a group of men. Uh, And even more so if you summarize it also. And I've done that um, far from mastering the Bible still, but uh, we're on our way. So it is a great adventure. Um, It's helpful when you read with others just because you have that you have that support, not just to keep you accountable uh, to read it, just because you know everybody else is going to expect you to do your part, so you do your part and keep up with the conversation. But also, you have questions, and uh, you, especially when you have Steve with you, you just, hey, well, what does what does this mean, or what 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 could that mean? And having that explanation there is uh, key. The Bible is a big book; it can be intimidating, and when you just take it bit by bit, 15 minutes a day or whatever it might be, uh, that's helpful. But again, also when you have other people around you that can help explain something. But not only that, but they also pique your interest in something. They might read a verse that you've read a thousand times, and then you're like, wow, I'd never thought about it that way. And it's also helpful to summarize because, as Steve was mentioning, you can then go back and study and uh, understand how the Bible fits together as a whole. And it is somewhat of a novel from beginning to end. And there's poetry involved. There's all these there's historical parts of it. And, of course, the, the biggest theme of, of Christ saving us. So uh, you'll never consider it a waste of your time. You can't look back and say, oh, well, I wish I didn't read the Bible. That was a waste of time. How many movies have you seen recently where two hours gone? <laughs> Well, two hours covers like a couple weeks worth of reading the Bible. So you won't regret doing it. And if anything, it's just going to spiritually just lift you up so much. We were doing the fighter verses early too. Um, Jake's been doing pretty well with that. And a couple other guys have still had some. I fell apart early on with those. But I did find that when I was doing them, I just I felt closer to God in some way. So... Uh, doing that in combination with reading the Bible is huge. Um, also wanted to congratulate baby Gramps, 188 pounds, four ounces. Um, we're excited for that. That was something else. You, it's not, look, it's all about the Bible. We want to read about Jesus, but it's also just fellowship between friends and knowing how to pray for one another, what they're going through, what their families might be going through. We're here every Sunday. We get to talk to one another, but we don't usually talk to everybody. And just having that small group of people, you can understand maybe what's going on in their lives, whether it's jobs or spouses or kids or whatever. So having that just group was good for that as well. Uh, So I'd encourage you to read your Bible, read it with a group, and summarize it in the way we have. Um, I don't know if tickets are still available for next year with this group. Might have to pay a hefty fee to get into it. Um, and also it's pretty relaxed. Like Steve said, he'll check on us. Like, are you guys where you need to be with your reading? And we put the thumbs up sideways down, whatever. If you're behind, you know, you have to be like five chapters behind before you lose a finger. So (laughs) it's all good. Just take your time with it and you'll get through it. Um, I'm, I'm behind right now. I got I'm behind on Ezekiel still. Um, because things do get in the way, you get busy with work or whatever you've got going on and it's fine. Just you'll catch up. So, um, 
Anyway, Steve told me to only talk for two hours. I'm going to cut it short to a few minutes. But I would say read your Bible so you can master it, but then just summarize it and do it with a group of men or women or whatever you want to do. It's good for your soul. You're going to, you're going to just grow and grow, and if you can do it each year, even better. Um, it's just been awesome, especially, again, with having a, a pastor involved and a group of just spiritually gifted men around us it's just been awesome so thumbs up to them and i appreciate them for you know taking the ride together and the whole thing so so again i want to say just if you're content with your plan of what you're going to do for how mastering the bible go at it um but if you just say you know what i i just want to just be involved in something like that um I've never read through the Bible before, and so I, I just want to read through the Bible. Then we talk with me, and if you're interested, we can get some other groups together. Dynamics work with just a few, so we're not looking to have a bunch, but uh, we can have several groups. So form your own group. Boy, have at it. Go at it. Just say, oh, I remember. Yeah, we're just going to do this together. Do it as a family. Do whatever you want. But just in terms of the, the impact of just all Scripture reading together, the principle is really simple. Uh, it's the accountability Dave Helm wrote a book called One to One uh, Bible Reading, a simple guide for every Christian, and he's basically advocating this, just reading the Bible with someone. He advocates just one-on-one. You can do it with a group. Just do anything that's really the, the plan that, that you might have of uh, just even seeing the scope of Scripture, and I believe that's the biggest thing to mastering the Bible. You know, I have a friend who's in his 80s. He told me that when he was maybe in his 40s or so, his nephew came up and talked to him. And asked him a question. He said, have you ever read through the Bible before? And uh, my friend um, said, uh, yeah, I, yeah, sure, I, I think so. And then the nephew said, yeah, neither have I. And so let's, how about, how about you and I, we read through the Bible this year. And it's been something he's done for 40, 50 years. And um, if you would know him, you would know that he is the tree that's planted by streams of water. I think it's because the promise of 2 Timothy 3 carries through. It's all scripture that's really helpful. Not just Bible quoters, right? Being Bible readers to catch the thrust of what the Bible is saying. Well, before I finish this morning, I just want to give you a word of warning to those of you who wish to master the Bible. Certainly you need to have a desire, you need to have a plan, but also you need to have faith. Um, At this point, I'm just saying mastering the Bible is not merely an academic exercise. There needs to be heart in it, there needs to be faith in it. And we see that best when Jesus is dealing uh, with the religious authorities of his day. They, they prided themselves in the knowledge of the Bible. And in fact, academically, they would put the greatest of us to shame. The least of them would put the greatest of us to shame in terms of their Bible knowledge. Yet, they, they didn't master their Bibles. Um, several occasions, Jesus said to them, have you not read? They were Bible quoters. Uh, one such occasion in Matthew 12, when they were angry at Jesus. He was picking grain on the Sabbath and eating. And Jesus, right, they had the Sabbath issue in their mind, and just this little atomic verse about keeping, not keeping the Sabbath, and all these rules on it. And then Jesus just scoped the Ark of Scripture, and he said, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? Thinking about David and the Sabbath and what he did when he was hungry and those who were with him. And they ate the bread, which was forbidden. So, so we, we can eat. It says, have you not read in the law on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Like the Sabbath is to rest. 
But on that day of the rest, the, the priests are busy, busy doing stuff. They're, they're profaning the Sabbath. See? And so he just, he just scoped the ark of uh, a Scripture to understand it. They got the letter of the law right, not the Spirit. And Jesus said, have you not read? Another occasion, they were questioning Jesus about divorce, trying to get him in trouble because Herod had just gotten a divorce. And, and John the Baptist, who stood up to Herod, got his head chopped off. So if Jesus is going to stand up to Herod, then he might face a similar thing. And, and then Jesus just responded, have you not read? Have you not read? And then he quotes from Genesis chapter 2. It's not that they'd never read these things, but they just didn't understand them, right? They didn't scope. They didn't master the Bible. They knew a lot about the Bible, but they, they didn't master it because they didn't really have faith. And then the questioning the resurrection, Jesus said, have you not read? And he just took them back to the, the Pentateuch. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. I'm, he's not the God of the living, of the dead, but of the living. Yes, he's alive. Yes, Moses or Abraham is alive. And Isaac is alive, and Jacob is alive. But they, they, they didn't believe the resurrection because they, they didn't have faith. Right? They'd read it, but they didn't believe. They, they lacked faith to understand the Bible. And in fact, one of the things we see from these people who didn't read, in one of their conflicts, Jesus said to them, I put it on the screen for you, John 5, 39, he was talking to these Pharisees who knew the Bible really well. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But it's they... They give witness to me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In other words, right? they knew what the Scripture said, but they lacked faith. They were seeking their salvation in the Scriptures rather than what the Scriptures pointed to. The Scriptures pointed to Jesus. See, they, they had this part down, but they didn't have the part down that says, okay, what actually is, Je- is this talking about? It's talking about Jesus. And a little while later into the context... Verse 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. In other words, right, to believe the Pentateuch is to believe Jesus. They didn't believe Jesus because they didn't believe the Bible. Well, they knew a lot, and academically they are far greater than us without, without distractions, right? And this, that's all they focused on was the Bible, but they didn't have the faith in that. They didn't even believe Moses. If you believed Moses, you would have... Believe me. And so as I challenge you this morning to master the Bible, whatever way works for you, I've got a plan if you want to join in on a group like that. Um, just don't, don't forget the role of faith in that uh, process because ultimately we, we don't simply want to master the Bible. What do we want? We want the ma- Bible to master us, right? <clears throat> well, I want to close with a quote from Max Andrews, Andrews and he says this, He says, there's a very close connection between God and His Word. Jesus Himself is called the Word of God. To know God, you must know His Word. To honor God, you must honor His Word. To be in touch with God, you must be in touch with His Word. Mighty promises are given to those who master the Bible so well that the Bible masters them. We are promised spiritual stability, fruitfulness, and true prosperity as we meditate on His Word day and night. When the words of Jesus abides in us, our desires will be given to us according to God's will. Meditating on God's Word leads to prosperity and success in our endeavors. We will have more wisdom than our enemies, more insight than our teachers, more understanding than the aged. We will have greater power over sin. We will have comfort in affliction. By drawing near to God, we have His promise that He will draw near to us. These astonishing observations, these magnificent claims, these profound promises, they help us to realize how important the Bible is and what remarkable potential we bring to our lives when we become serious students of Scripture. 
And that's why it's so important that we commit ourselves to mastering the Bible so well that the Bible masters us. So let's pray. Father, that's my simple prayer. I pray that we might master the Bible so the Bible might master us. God, the Bible might rule over us and that we might know and understand the blessings that come. That we might believe the things that we are called to believe. That we might see you as you have revealed yourself to be. That we might know Jesus and the gospel, which comes so clearly throughout the whole Bible. The beginning in Genesis 3 with the promise right there when sin began that the serpent would be crushed on the head even though the the seed of the woman would only be crushed on the heel. God, this prophecy of of one coming who will be crushed but will overcome. And we just thank you how the, the Old Testament points to Jesus and gives us even this Christmas season a heart and a in a passion in a greater way. And, and those who know the Bible best can even see and understand the, the glories of the incarnation the deepest. God, when we, we understand and, and master the Bible because it will bring us to worship and adoration and submission to you and to your Christ, God, to the one who alone can save us from our sins. And so, Father, I would pray as we think about a, a new year, think about uh, 2022 and what that would involve and just would pray for the heart of the people at Rock Valley Bible Church that that we would that would be a year in which uh, many of us have a plan whether it's this Bible reading plan I've pushed or whether it's some other plan that they have that we would be about mastering your word that your word might master us God we need your grace we need your help we can't do this on our own God but it has to be you who opens our eyes to see and to understand God that you would incline our heart Uh, towards you and away from sin, that you would show us the glory of Jesus deep in our heart. And so in that, we do pray, and God, I pray for us at church. God, may we master the Bible, that it might master us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.